0: A Broadway musical and Dinner for Two, $250. Side-splitting humor at one of New York City's famed comedy clubs, $40. A private Pilates session at a Midtown studio, $92. A radio show that highlights some of the cool things you can do for free in the city, priceless. Good morning, I'm George Boracki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Between the cost of rent, food, and gas, paychecks simply don't go as far as they used to. But that doesn't mean we have to skimp on a good time. On this morning's show, we'll tell you about some very neat things you can do around town without spending a penny. Glad you're with us. Being barefoot in New York City is a feat a lot of us would never dare to try. But on summer nights in the Bronx, scores of people jump at the chance to kick off their shoes and enjoy a night of dancing at Van Cortland Park absolutely free. Laura Zifang takes us there.
1: Welcome to Barefoot Dancing. Oh, we need some energy to perform today. Good evening, Van Cortlandt Park.
2: It's just really nice to come out and be in nice grass where you don't have to worry about what you're stepping on and enjoy dancing and jumping and music is great. That's Kendra
1: Sibley from the Bronx. This event allows her and other dancers to learn the moves from different cultures around the globe. Mexico, Africa and the Middle East. Tonight the spotlight's on Africa. I've never been to Van Cortlandt Park before so when I walk off the bus I'm a little lost but the pounding drums and rhythmic beats lead me straight to the action. The lawn is filled with children running around, friends catching up, and more bare feet than I can count. Jackie Goldhammer from Manhattan tears up the grass with her little ones.
3: The African drumming, it's so inspiring and you can't sit still to it. The kids, if they weren't dancing, they were running around in circles and they were having a great time.
1: A mask dancer soars through the crowd, moving his body violently fast. The man behind the mask is guest performer Mamadou Dawe, a dancer from Côte d'Ivoire. Dancers from his group, the Ancestral Messengers, are dressed in vibrant pink and green costumes. They twirl through the audience, pulling spectators right off their picnic blankets to dance in a circle. Mabadou says that in Africa, the dance circle represents the house of their ancestors. Dancing barefoot honors the dead. He says you wouldn't bring dirty shoes into your own house. The same goes for the house of the dead.
4: We believe in the ground. When somebody die, you bury we respect the ground. We say our ancestors rest over there. And I believe when I die, I'm going to be buried in African culture. There's a nice to the ground, the ground will be nice to you.
1: Feet big and small shake the earth and honor the dead while they follow Mamadou's bouncy steps. There's no cover charge, but after the event, some patrons buy t shirts and DVDs of Mamadou dancing to help support the program. For Cityscape, I'm Laura Zyfe.
0: When we decided to do a show about free stuff to do in New York City, we thought, who better to involve than the staff of Time Out New York magazine? It's my go-to for weekly listings of free events. Associate features editor Kate Lowenstein has a wealth of knowledge on the subject. I recently chatted with her. Hey, Kate. Hey, George. If you're into art but don't want to pay museum admission fees, where can you get your fix for free?
2: There are so many ways to do that, um, as You probably know already many of New York's art museums have free nights. Um, There's the Museum of Modern Art. uh, It's free on Fridays between 4 and 8. There's the Brooklyn Museum, which is uh, free on the first Saturday of every month between 5 and 11. Um, And the Jewish Museum is free on Saturdays. Uh, What you may not know is that the Rubin Museum of Art, which is in Chelsea and has an amazing collection of Himalayan art. Has a weekly cocktail hour on Fridays, which is kind of fun. And admission to the galleries is free starting at 7 there. And at the cocktail hour, there are free tours and talks. Um, there are special screenings. There is food and drinks. Are so, you paying
0: for the drinks?
2: Uh, you know, I think you might be paying for the drinks. I
0: thought there might be a snack somewhere. <laughs> Sounded too good to be true. I
2: know. Well, I figure if you hit that, it's in Chelsea, and then you can go to some gallery openings um, before or afterwards, and you've got a full night of art and some free drinks at the gallery openings, at least.
0: (laughs) Well, we all here at WFUV love music, but where can we hear it for free in New York City?
2: There's sort of an endless number of free music events in the city, and frankly, it's really hard to keep track of all of them. But um, there are some regular events to look forward to. There's Jim Campolongo. He plays at the living room every Monday night, um, and that's from 11 to 1 a.m. Some musicians call it Guitar Church because he's so good. Um, he plays a mix of blues and country and jazz. There's the McCarran Park Pool Parties, hosted by Jelly NYC, um, and they have hosted some amazing free concerts this summer. Still coming up is Yola Tango, which is on August 24th at 2 p.m., but you should definitely show up early to get a good spot. In terms of dancing to good music, I would recommend an event called Sunset Thursdays, which is an Ibiza-inspired party. Where's that? That is on the largest patio on the west side of Manhattan, which is um, at PDO Hurley's, which is on West 44th Street. Hmm, that's 44th totally new Street. to me. Yeah. So that's a good one, some mellow beats from 6 to 11 every Thursday.
0: You know, Kate, I love to laugh, but I avoid comedy clubs for two reasons. Number one, the cover charge, and number two, the drink minimum.
2: Oh, that drink minimum gets you every time, doesn't it?
0: It certainly does.
2: (laughs) Well, there are some solutions to that. Every Monday night, there's a comedy show at Piano's on on the Lower East Side. The show is called It Is It. And it's hosted by Adam Lowett from The Daily Show. And as you can imagine, he has lots of funny friends, and he invites them, and and, uh, they come entertain you for free at 8 o'clock every Monday. Every Wednesday, there's a weekly show called Super Free Wednesdays at People's Improv Theater, which is on West 29th Street. Um, And that features six of their house improv teams, And then, if you're really inspired, you can actually get up uh, and do your own stand-up at 11 o'clock. There's an amateur jam.
0: If you want to do something with the kids without breaking the bank, what do you suggest?
2: There are a bunch of events in New York that are great for kids and actually sound like a lot of fun for the grown-ups, too. On August 24th, Pete Seeger is leading sing-alongs to popular children's songs at the Annual Roots of American Music Festival Family Show, and that's at Damrush Park. And I hear that Patti Smith is going to make an appearance later in the day. Cool. Yeah.
0: If you're like me, you spend a lot of money on the weekend, and then Monday comes along, and you still don't feel like sitting around the house, though, and you want to do something after work, but you don't want to spend money again, so what do you do?
2: Right. I know how that feels. For one thing, on Monday, you could head to Monday Night Bingo, at the Bowery Poetry Club, which is hosted by two wonderful drag queens, Marie Hill and Linda Simpson. You can win theater tickets and cash, and there's always some sort of performance. It's a really good time, and it's totally free. If you're still feeling that way on Tuesday, there's a free stand-up show at Alligator Lounge in Williamsburg, and that's at 9.30 with a rotating roster of comics, um, and possibly more importantly, free pizza with every drink that you get. It's pretty good pizza, too. On Tuesday nights also is the Gale Pub Trivia Night, which is on the Upper East Side. Uh, You can win a $50 bar tab if you know the answers to their questions.
0: Kate Lowenstein, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, George. Kate Lowenstein is an associate features editor with Time Out New York Magazine. With gyms offering class packages that can cost up to $300, yoga can be a workout on the wallet. But a studio in the East Village called Yoga to the People offers classes at a remarkable price whatever you want to pay. Michael Chaplin
5: checked it out. The studio is supported completely by what students give. There's a suggested $10 donation, but many students just give what they can. 21-year-old Perry Duvin says what he offers can vary. When I first started coming, I would give a suggested donation, like $10, Mm because I just felt inclined to do so. But then when I started coming, like, five, six times a week, I would only give however many ones I had in my wallet, basically. Mm -hmm. So that would be anywhere from, like, one to five dollars judy chu has been coming to the studio since it opened a little over two years ago
6: i generally try to give ten dollars but there are times when i don't have money so i don't give anything i know that it's not that's not what it's all about there's people saying like it's free it's not free it's it's really what you can afford if you can pay a dollar or two dollars things are rough we all know that
5: yoga to the people is a very large space it's two floors with three studios that can hold up to 170 people altogether. It has red brick walls and hardwood floors with a row of windows at the front of the room. That's where tonight's instructor Catherine Makish is standing, in front of a class of nearly 50 students.
7: It's just phenomenal. I mean, it's, it started with three students. And within three months, the studio became self-sustaining. Um, in September, we opened up two more spaces. We've grown across the country to Berkeley, and there's... Um, further talk of expanding in one word it 's exploding.
5: and don 't expect to get less for your money here. No matter what you give you 're bound to get sweaty. Everyone from first timers to experts are in the same class, and they all seem to be feeling the heat. Call it karma or call it luck, but the studio's philosophy of just taking donations is definitely paying off. Owner Greg Muscio says after more than two years in business, the studio is still going strong. He says the donation base might be what brings people here at first, but it's the teaching philosophy that keeps them here. The studio doesn't offer a teaching schedule, so no matter when you come, you never know who's going to be teaching the class. Muscio says this puts the focus on the student rather than the teacher
0: obviously donation base appeals to people initially the space we have is you know beautiful I think that's important if it was like dungeon donation yoga I don't know that we'd have the same effect but ultimately when it's not about the teacher um, then people make it about themselves and they make it about the vibe in the room that seems to be something that really connects with people I think we're speaking to something much deeper than
5: just on the surface you know
7: the group has never
5: paid for any ads either. Most students find out about it through word of mouth. Mushio says no matter how big it gets, the studio is still as small as ever.
0: And what I found is that you know, some of our classes on Sunday night at 7.30,
5: all three studios are filled, we have over 150, 170 people, and there's still that sense of community. So it's grown tremendously, and I think what's been kind of surprising is it still has that sense. All the classes are about an hour long. If you don't have a yoga mat of your own, no worries. They have some to rent for $2. You can check their schedule online at yogatothepeople.com or even try their podcast of the class on iTunes. For Cityscape, I'm Michael Chaplin. You know your
7: body better than I do, better than anyone
0: You're tuned to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. I'm George Boldarki. On this morning's show, we're highlighting some pretty nifty things to do in the city that don't require a cover charge, drink minimum, or a registration fee. You can learn to play petanque for free every day at Manhattan's Bryant Park. The French game is similar to bocce. Players aim to toss their steel balls at a target called a cauchonnet, which added up some players on a recent Friday afternoon.
4: My name is Pierre Benjamin. I'm French. At Bayern Park, I've been playing now. This is my sixth year. I start here in 2003 when I retired, so I become an instructor here. And when we first started, we had barely nobody. We had to grab the people to come to play. Little by little, we become very popular. Why? Because the people during the break, they all come come here. Some of them play for 10 minutes, and lately I see people stay here much longer. of them keep their lines and they play. I'm Aina Ratovanarivo, and uh, I'm from Madagascar, but I've been living, like, in Europe, and that's how I was introduced to the game of the and I've been playing since I was 12, and now I've got the chance of playing here in New York, and, you know just having fun (laughs) the difference is the bulls are different we play with the steel bulls and uh, Bachi you play with the bigger bulls already which is a wooden or some kind of material whatever it is and when you play pitang you play underhand because the bulls are heavy and if you play the way you play Bachi your bull will go anywhere you have to give a little backspin to it uh, it's more chic.
0: Bangali Keita, Mandingo. <laughs> yeah, Mandingo from West Africa. I'm here every day.
4: He had learned a lot from me since he came from here. the best. <laughs>
0: yeah, I love it. I play the game and then I saw some people have to play, especially this guy right here.
8: Keita is one of the all-time best shooters in the league. <laughs> only when he's on. When he's off, forget about
4: it. I really don't care if I win or if I lose, because it's still a school. I always take somebody who i never played anyway, because as long as you play, you learn. My name is Christopher Ortiz. I've been playing for two years and a half. I learned because he taught me how to play, so I play a couple of games and everything win a couple of games too. I thank him because he showed me how to play. And him, he showed me how to shoot. So. Hey, speaking of shooting, you're up. Your and I like this game a lot, so uh, I'm going to keep continuing doing this game. Here we go.
0: Oh! The French game Paytonk. They'll teach you how to play for free at Manhattan's Bryant Park. Between the cost of fuel and the trend to go green, more and more New Yorkers are biking these days. But the city can be a dangerous place to cycle. Giselle Eisner reports in a way cyclists can sharpen their skills, you guessed it,
9: for free.
2: My goal is to be more New York City, like street savvy, in terms of riding a bike around town. That's what scares me.
9: Susan Seeds is a petite dance instructor from Queens. Seeds calls herself a baby rider. She just learned how to ride last month. That's why, on this summer Saturday, Seeds is spending time with her bike in a unique way, in a class called Savvy Cyclist.
8: I was passing, Mark, turn around, and we're running together or riding together, and I clip him, the injury will be lower, if at all.
9: For the That's past two years, bike riders beautiful. from novice to expert have gathered and to learn how to ride safely and confidently on busy New York City streets. Savvy Cyclist is offered by Bike New York, a nonprofit organization that promotes bicycling through various rides, part, events, and classes. Speaking, the class is held every two Saturdays from April through September. It's a free, day-long entry-level skills course that begins inside the classroom, moves outside, and ends with students putting theory into practice with a short ride around the neighborhood. Today's instructor is Mark Plout. He's been riding in New York City since the 80s and has been teaching savvy cyclists since last year.
8: A lot of people think that it's smart to buy a bike and ride a bike, and that's great, but I'm not sure at what point they realize that they don't know what they need to know or other riders on the road don't know what they should know about riding safely.
9: Plout's teaching assistant is Perry Fellman. He bikes to work every day in Westchester. Fellman says a recent incident in his life motivated him to join as an instructor.
8: My wife was involved in a bike crash just her. She hit an obstacle in the road, and it made me think about that how, in my own house, I'm not teaching bike safety and bike education. We've done a little bit with my daughter, but it really made me realize that it's time to expand it. And after we got her back on the road to riding again, I'm here today.
9: After a long morning of classroom instruction, the five students in attendance grab their bikes, their helmets, and their water bottles, and head out into the sweltering outdoors for hands-on learning.
8: What we want you to do is start going, pick up to a normal cruising speed. Don't crawl along very slowly, but we want you to pedal like you're riding your bike, because that's what you're doing, you're riding your bike. Pedal, keep going, don't crawl.
9: As the students prepare to practice proper emergency maneuvers, They see firsthand why such skills are needed. As Fellman begins to demonstrate a quick stop, a car slowly pulls out of a parking lot at the end of the road, then steps on the gas and makes a sudden, screeching stop only feet in front of Fellman. Amused, the driver shouts, did you see that? And speeds away. Plout says this happens all too often.
8: If you spend any time on New York City streets, you'll see pedestrians, car drivers, and bike riders doing what they want or what they think is right, which may not be the smartest, safest way to behave in city streets. So if everybody starts following the same basic rules, there'll be a lot more cooperation, a lot more safety, and it'll just be a lot more
2: fun for everybody.
9: Student Susan Seeds says she's learned a lot today.
2: Everything that I thought that I kind of knew, it's all wrong. <laughs> she's doing it legally. So I'm glad I actually took this class. It's very helpful. Here she comes. (laughs) Stop. If I'm ignorant about the facts and the rules of safety issues, a lot of people are too, and I see a lot of them riding on the curb, which I didn't know was illegal. I just found out.
9: Last year, 23 cyclists were killed in New York City, almost all in collisions with vehicles. Savvy cyclist instructors say just one day of instruction makes a difference for riders. For Cityscape, I'm Giselle Eisner.
0: This is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. This morning we're telling cover charges, drink minimums, and registration fees to talk to the hand. Today's show is all about free activities in New York City, like this one Rachel Lushinsky discovered.
7: Recently, I dropped in on a monthly book club meeting in Brooklyn for a cost-free night of discussion, drinks,
9: and food. My name is Karen Sobek, and I live in Manhattan, and I'm a registered nurse. I moved here a year and a half ago, and I didn't have anybody to associate with except my family, and I wanted to find somebody to talk to besides my family, and so it was really nice, the first group, I felt really included. Troy Chapman
7: started the group with his girlfriend, Cheryl Jones, more than a year ago.
8: We were reading all these books, and we were like, when we got done, we look at each other, we have a quick discussion, and it was like, yeah. now what? Right. Yeah, so we good said, good. let's bring That's some like, people like, in, and bar. it's food, and we're both over 40, it was just like all our friends have left. So he said, how do you meet people in New York City? And also, this was a great way of meeting people, discussing books.
7: A diverse group of men and women from the Ukraine to Uruguay are huddled in Troy and Cheryl's living room on a couch and collapsible chairs. Troy says it's just as he intended.
8: New York has so much to offer, and one of the things it has to offer more than anything is its diversity. And we just didn't want a book group of one of anything. And that's what we get. We've had the whole rainbow in here, and it's helped us select books that we never would have read before.
7: The book club not only aims for diversity in people and authors, but also in food. Tonight, the group is munching on bangers and mash. Cheryl Jones says The Dish celebrates the Irish heritage of the author
9: of tonight's featured book. We're reading Netherland Joseph O'Neill. I couldn't get through this book. I read the first 70 pages and spent a lot of time about cricket, and I still don't get the game cricket.
5: My name's Will Gadea, I live in Astoria, Queens. Actually, I kind of like the cricket part because I grew up in Australia and the first game I ever fell in love with was cricket. I guess I identified with this character who is an immigrant and recreates in in his new nation the sport.
7: While the group had conflicting opinions about Netherland, themes within the book sparked interesting side conversation. Throughout the night, discussion drifted from 9-11 to immigration to the upcoming presidential election. Alessandra Rosa says that's his favorite part.
8: What happens is, and what's very interesting, is that afterwards you're sitting in a room with with a group of very intelligent people and the conversations that come after are so interesting and that's I think what has kept me coming. The
7: chatter continued past 10 o'clock when the group voted on a book for next time and said their goodbyes. Heidi Lynn lives down the street. She says this is a free event she always looks forward to. She loves the way literature brings people together. For Cityscape, I'm Rachel Lushinski.
0: Eating out in New York City can really set you back. Even a slice of pizza can run you up to $3. But Maggie Martin found a way to get some grub without forking over a cent. That's
8: quite all right. You're welcome. Have a sample while you wait.
3: At a Whole Foods near Union Square, you can buy two pounds of strawberries for $6. But at the Farmer's Market across the street, you can get your fill of strawberries and lots of other fruits and vegetables for free.
0: I've tried uh, corn, I've tried some juice, raspberry juice that they had, I've tried some sour sweet peas, I've tried, what else, i uh, tried apples, peaches, plums.
3: That's Gary Estenville of Washington Heights. He's one of many New Yorkers who take advantage of the free samples the market has to offer. Estonville hasn't tried, but he's sure there are more than enough samples to make them a free meal.
9: Yeah, you can. Yeah, I think you could.
3: After making his way through the market, Estonville didn't buy anything. You'd think people like Estonville would annoy farmers, but Nina Budapin says her free samples of granola and cheeses are there for a reason.
9: We have samples back here, that's what they're for, so people can get a chance to taste it.
3: Frank Tantillo is with Buried Treasures, a farm in Cooks Falls, New York. She says it's the free samples of her strawberries and other fruits that turn the browsers
8: into loyal customers. On any given day, we we sell out pretty rapidly because we give samples. Tasting is believing, and I I do at least half my sales by people tasting.
3: I decided to test that theory for myself. Actually, it's pretty good. Kind of um, sweet. Pretty good
1: stuff.
3: I Can you get a, a pint of strawberries? For sure. And what do you know? I ended up buying a pint of strawberries, but that was after I ate some granola and other free samples along the way. At the Union Square Market, I'm Maggie Martin.
0: All of the free events we've heard about so far this morning are for New Yorkers and tourists alike. But here's something just for out-of-towners. Big Apple Greeter pairs visitors with city residents for unscripted walking tours of neighborhoods throughout the five boroughs. Ellen Burke went on a tour of Coney Island and Brighton Beach that Manhattan resident Dan Abatelli gave to Lisa and to Lancelot Stone, who are visiting from California.
6: I met up with Dan at the Midtown Hotel where Lisa and Lancelot were staying. Besides a little white round pin on his bag that said Big Apple Greeter, Dan looked like a typical New Yorker. He showed us a few pictures of Coney Island and its heyday, pointed out a few things on a map of the area, and gave Lisa and Lancelot Metro cards. After that, we headed down to catch the queue from the 57th Street stop. Dan worked as a teacher in the Bronx before retiring, and he easily gave instructions.
8: This train, we're going to get it here at 57th and 7th, it's an express. It goes then to Times Square, that's the next stop, it skips it skips... So we can
1: get on it and go to Times Square?
8: Yeah, one stop. Oh.
6: The ride out to Coney Island from Midtown's about an hour. While we rode out, Dan told Lisa and Lance a lot about metro car deals, talked about the way Brooklyn's neighborhoods have changed over the years, and how much rent you'll pay in the city. Lisa and Lance said they were still a little tired from walking around the day before, so Dan said they could stop anytime they wanted.
8: We could sit on the boardwalk, we could sit a, on a bench... We could relax. We could buy a, a iced coffee, uh, iced tea. We could um, detour. We can make any detours you want. We could adjust this tour to your comfort. So it's certainly in no way, shape, or form this is written in stone.
6: As we pulled into Brighton Beach, Dan told Lisa and Lance that the area has seen an influx of Russian immigrants in the last half century. And as we headed down the steps of the station, he told us we might hear more Russian spoken than English but he said we wouldn't get confused looking at the storefronts. If
8: you have writing, like say in Arabic or Chinese or Cyrillic, you would have to have English next to it so people would be able to know what you were selling. Right. right. Except the liquor stores, you could see the bottles of vodka in the window so you don't have to read anything. You could just see what's being sold. Brighton Beach Avenue is, is very vibrant. It's got a lot of stores and shops and restaurants, but it's right underneath this L train. So the noise is like 24 hours a day.
6: We walked down a side street off Brighton Beach Avenue, and Dan explained the intricacies of alternate side parking to Lisa. We kept walking across Seaside Park, and Lisa practiced being a New Yorker herself.
9: My friend told me to say water, something like that. What
8: up? What for water? Oh, water! water. water. Yeah! Water. Don't forget! Don't forget! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the others are the only ones that spell water with a D.
6: <laughs> As we got closer to the water, Dan told us the name Coney Island came from the Dutch word for rabbit, because rabbits used to overrun the area. Lisa and Lance dipped their feet in the water, and Lisa faced a typical tourist problem: figuring out her camera.
9: I'm oh, he turning it off. I keep it Man. <laughs>
6: as we headed back to the boardwalk dan said lots of people myself included are surprised to see how clean coney island's water and sand is with plans for development though dan said things at coney island won't stay the same for long
8: this may be the last year astroland is going to be is be here because the owners have been given an offer by this developer to kind of sell it and once it's sold these are the little kiddie rides in here yeah. that you see. Do you want to walk in there? You want to take a walk. Let's take a walk inside.
6: We wound our way through Astro Land, dodging kids in bathing suits with sodas and snacks. After a quick stop for some Nathan's hot dogs, Dan showed us Keyspan Park, and we walked back to the Coney Island Stillwell Avenue stop. Dan took Lisa and Lance to check out a little more of Brooklyn, and I hopped a D train back to the mainland. Before we left, Dan summarized what a Big Apple greeter does for visitors.
8: One of the things about Big Apple tours is when I bring people to neighborhoods, it's try to do the out-of-the-way things. It's, it's like not to go and visit the Metropolitan Museum or the Empire State Building. All of those very top ten, anybody could do on their own. But a Big Apple greeter is somebody who knows like intimate neighborhoods, Small little restaurants, side streets, little activities that a normal tourist wouldn't get to see.
6: Big Apple Greeter says it's always looking for more New Yorkers who want to show a little bit of the city to visitors. And volunteers can sign up on their website, bigapplegreeter.org. For Cityscape, I'm Ellen Burke.
0: And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. We leave you with one more thing you can do for free in New York City. And that's get past editions of Cityscape and to learn how to podcast the show at WFUV.org. Have a great weekend.